Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief of BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings podcast network. The Buffalo Bills have set themselves up for a very interesting final month of the season with their most recent win over the Carolina Panthers, plus getting some help around the NFL. And they sure got a lot of help around the NFL over the weekend. As we approach the end of the season, don't forget you can call in your questions for our episodes. Voicemail line 716-508-0405. You can feel free to text that number as well. Just pop it right into your phone as a contact. And every time you have a Buffalo Bills question, fire off one of those texts or voicemails to me here at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumlinks Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email is buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. There are plenty of ways to get in touch with our show, and this show is really boring without hearing from you guys. So make sure you send in those questions. All right, before we get to your questions this week, I wanted to share my takeaways from the game against the Carolina Panthers. It was a really weird game uh, to talk about, and it's evidenced by the 700 or 372 comments over on my takeaways article at buffalorumblings.com. Folks really aren't sure what to make of the Bills. and um, So like, here are my takeaways from the game. The, um, the offensive line shuffle really exposed Spencer Brown. Brown's been having a rough go um, at right tackle for the last couple weeks. And now after he got switched over to left tackle, which we'll talk about in a second, he just still had really, really rough patches on uh, Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. But but let's talk about the offensive line shuffle as a whole. They were able to at least plan for the absence of Deion Dawkins. He went on the COVID-19 list early in the week on Wednesday, so they knew that they had to prepare for the possibility that he wouldn't be available on Sunday. Um, I feel bad for Dawkins. He you know received both of his vaccination shots. He had COVID. He was hospitalized with COVID. Um, so him getting another positive test just a few months later is uh, pretty rough for the guy. Um, So hopefully he's um, okay and he'll be back uh, pretty soon. But they were able to plan for his absence. John Feliciano uh, was put on the COVID-19 list on Sunday morning. And so it's likely that he was tested on Saturday. They got the results back on Sunday and then made him inactive. So they weren't able to prepare for that. So if he was going to figure into that right guard spot instead of Cody Ford, Um, It just became a a surprise that the Bills had to deal with. Um, So anyway, the 
you know, Cody Ford, I thought, played an okay game. Uh, the Colts, the Colts, the um, the Panthers were without uh, their best interior defensive lineman, which probably helped in that particular case. But Brown is the one that I really focused on in my post-game comments. He had two holding calls in the first half. Um, he had a questionable false start call. He was... Um, he allowed a big hit on Allen that was called roughing the passer. Uh, started the third quarter with a holding call. Was bailed out by a roughing the passer call on that play. Um, he was called for taunting after a block in the fourth quarter, and head coach Sean McDermott took him out for a couple plays at the end of the game because of those boneheaded decisions. Uh, he also, in the first half, whiffed on a block so bad that Josh Allen got sacked. Um, the ball came out and Brown was able to recover the fumble, but the only reason he was there to be Johnny on the spot was he got beat so badly by his man that he was just standing in the backfield, not covering anybody. So when he saw the ball, he was able to uh, at least cover that. Uh, he's a rookie. He's used to playing on the right side. I'm not certainly not throwing dirt on his professional career or anything like that, but um, you know he he's got some growing up to do, and he said as much after the game, and so did Sean McDermott. <clears throat> Speaking of that, they did have another slow start on offense. Uh, they didn't get their initial first down until 14 minutes into the game. Stephon Diggs didn't get a target until the second quarter. And when your best player isn't getting looks, like I understand that the defense is focusing on him, sure. But like not even getting a target to Stephon Diggs, your all-pro wide receiver, just felt wrong. And they were able to manufacture targets for him later in the game. Why couldn't they? do that earlier in the game. They went three and out on their first two possessions. They had problems with their offensive line, penalties, all this other stuff. They netted negative three yards on those first two drives. But then they scored touchdowns on their next two drives and settled in for the rest of the game. So I'm, I'm we're going to talk a lot about offense because it was solid but not spectacular. And so, you know, pre pretty much everybody is going to see in the offense this game what they wanted to see. They're going to see a, a, a team that struggled to move the ball at times and had a couple three and outs, but they could also point to you know, some successes that they had. Only two teams have hung 30-plus points in regulation against the Panthers this year, and now it's up to three. So I'm of the belief that I think the Bills offense played pretty darn well on Sunday. So if you're one of the people that wants me to you know trash the Bills offense that isn't the week this week. Um, but Carolina came in allowing 177 yards through the air. The Bills topped that. Um, they also had three passing touchdowns. The rushing offense had a decent day, too, hitting 121 yards, largely thanks to a long Josh Allen run, putting them over the century mark for the day. Um, you know, Devin Singletary wasn't quite able to get to 100 yards, despite 22 carries, so that's not great. But volume-wise and Again, adding in Allen's long run, I think it was okay. Um, it's it's definitely not going to be Brian Dable's favorite game to discuss, but it's it, it shouldn't be on his you know worst of list either, because they may have fixed their red zone problems. I remember we got a question about that last week. What's going on with the Bills' red zone? Ah, uh, the sky is falling. Well, this week they scored all five trips to the red zone, and they scored touchdowns on four of those five trips. So that's a pretty darn good percentage, um, especially against a very good Panthers defense. With their offensive line in shambles, with their quarterback with a hurt foot, they were still able to convert those red zone opportunities. Gabriel Davis um, 
probably played his way into the starting lineup for good uh, with his performance this week. Uh, had some really nice catches um, on two touchdowns in the red zone. So yeah, third and long, fourth down to seal the victory. You know, Gabriel Davis stepped up, and I don't think that's an accident that the red zone um, problems were a little bit lessened with Gabriel Davis in the lineup. And then finally, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense, but the defense um, kind of takes a back burner sometimes, but I thought they played really, really well on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they said it in the broadcast that the members of the defense feel the unit is overlooked, and, and that's very, very true. But again, they allowed just 14 points um, against the Carolina Panthers. Even if you want to give Carolina a couple field goals based on their kicker being injured, you know, they... Carolina may have scored 20 points in this game total, even with their kicker being healthy. So that's a really good day uh, from your defense. I don't care who's a quarterback. I don't care who the other offense is. You know, it's it's a nice day to hold your t- opponents to 14 points because that means you're going to win, especially with the Bills' offense. You know, you know you're going to be able to score a certain number of points. Um, you know, games against Jacksonville, notwithstanding, but. Uh, <laughs> The defense was good. Carolina was only 7 of 17 on third downs. They held Cam Newton to 124 yards, passing on 38 attempts. Whew. <laughs> that number's really bad. <laughs> 124 passing yards on 38 attempts. Wow. that's. I remember writing it on Sunday, but I don't remember laughing about it on Sunday. The Panthers averaged just 3.8 yards per play. And that was with them being down at the end, too, and Bills putting in their defenders, uh, their second-string defenders on the last drive, too. A.J. Klein came away with a nice interception. Um, and then, you know, like, it's still, it, it really helps that the Bills' defense is awesome. Um, even without Tredavious White, they've been having some really nice success from, from Dane Jackson. He's never going to be as good as Trey White, but he's certainly holding his own. When we get back from this quick break, We're going to talk a little bit about some Bills playoff scenarios that I've been writing about over at buffalorumblings.com and get to your questions. So don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. I promised you I would talk about some playoff scenarios when we got back from break. Uh, Really the most important thing for the Bills is to just keep winning. Uh, If they keep winning, they're going to win the AFC East and get the two or the three seed probably uh, going into the playoffs. Um, Winning the division should be their first goal because that, of course, secures a playoff spot. And beating the Patriots is the easiest way to get there. If the Bills lose this game to the Patriots, they have a 0% chance of winning the AFC East. If they beat the New England Patriots, they have something like an 85 or 90% chance of winning the AFC East. All they would have to do is beat the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets. Both of those games are at home. And then the Buffalo Bills would be the AFC East champs. So it's their easiest path to... The playoffs, it's their easiest path to the Super Bowl. It's 
what we all want. And so obviously if, if you want to just stop the playoff scenarios there, I think that's, that's perfectly fair. Taking a look at the path to the number one seed, it's highly, highly unlikely. They need a heck of a lot of different scenarios to play out in order for them to be able to get to the one seed. Um, that was one of the problems with the Chiefs and the Chargers playing this week is you had to pick your poison. And no matter what, Buffalo was going to be two games back of one of those teams in the AFC playoff race. And so, you know, with with three games left being two games back of, you know, the number one seed or at least the, the, the leader in the AFC West, it was going to be a difficult path to the one seed anyway. So I think you can wave goodbye to the first round bye. And there's an article up at buffalorumblings.com that explains all of that stuff. Looking at the wild card race, if the Bills do lose to the New England Patriots this weekend, um, there's a heck of a lot of teams at eight and six, and Buffalo is in that mix. If they lose to the Patriots, I still think they make the playoffs. If they win those last two games, it would be something like a 90% chance, according to the New York Times. If they win those last two games and get to 10 and six, or 10 and seven, excuse me. Sorry, it's been too many years of 16 game schedule where my brain is just. Uh, preconditioned with some of those numbers but if they can get to 10 and 7 um, they have a very good chance of making the playoffs because so many of those other 8 and 6 teams and 7 and 7 teams and even that Pittsburgh Steelers team that's in there at 7, 6 and 1 they all play each other over the course of the last 3 weeks of the year and so they're going to beat up on each other and really open up playoff spots so if the Bills can just take care of business against really weak teams they don't even have to beat you know, a solid Patriots team. Obviously, that's not what we're going for. That's not what I want to happen. That's not even what I think is going to happen. But um, if this Bills team can get into the playoffs, they they have proven over and over again that they're good enough to play with anybody if they can put it together. And so there's no reason to think they couldn't make a run in the postseason if they just get in. So all those people that are in my mention saying, I don't care, I don't want this team, if they can't beat the Patriots, if they can't win the division, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Of course they do. Um, and they, you know, if they win enough games to get into the playoffs, they can certainly do some damage in the playoffs. And I'd love to see them in the playoffs no matter what. So I just, I'm not of the opinion that it's, you know, all or nothing with this Buffalo Bills team. And I think that black and white issue is a little bit, um, I don't know. It's a little bit short-sighted. It reminds me of the fact that, you know, we went 17 years without even getting to the playoffs, and now people are spitting at the possibility of a wildcard um, berth. So I, it's just not my cup of tea. I'd rather um, talk about how the Bills are going to get into the playoffs and uh, could potentially do some damage there. So those are the playoff scenarios right now. Um, I'm sure we'll get into some rooting interests on Thursday over at buffalorumlings.com uh, where we post our weekly <coughs> rooting interests for the Buffalo Bills. Um, and with the Thursday night AFC contest this week, it's sure to be another interesting weekend of rooting around the NFL, especially with two games on Christmas on Saturday, um, in addition to the Bills, games, uh, the Bills game on Sunday and the rest of the AFC all over the map this week. Last week we had, I don't know, five or six different games we could watch in different viewing windows here in Western New York. Um, I haven't added up the number this week, but it's sure, sure going to be four or five that are going to impact Buffalo's playoff chances. So, again, hopefully all of it will be rendered uh, moot by the Bills just beating the Patriots this weekend. All right, on to your questions. 
Ron from New Mexico tweets in to us. Does Spencer Brown get more than a firm sideline talking to for drawing a taunting flag after drawing three holding flags, one offsides flag, and giving up so many sacks, QB hits, and pressures that I can't even put a number to it? Or is he immune from consequences like Tremaine Edmonds? All right, those are two different questions. Do I think he gets more than a firm sideline talking to? Absolutely. I think in the film room, he's going to get eviscerated by his offensive line coach and by the offense as a whole when both of those groups watch the tape of the game. So I do think he's going to have to pay the piper. It won't be publicly. Um, You know, Sean McDermott was pretty gentle, I thought, with his comments uh, for Brown uh, at Monday's press conference and Sunday's press conference. He could have been a lot more harsh with him. Um, He tends to be really harsh with the first round pick saying, oh, they have to earn it like everybody else. But for whatever reason, he decided not to pile on Spencer Brown. He said it, you know, he had to learn from those mistakes. He has to be smarter about it. He has to make better decisions, but he didn't like eviscerate him publicly in the media this week. They're going to save that for behind closed doors. And uh, he's certainly going to hear about it from his teammates and from his coaching staff. Um, As far as being immune from consequences like Edmonds, I can't remember Tremaine Edmonds you know, making a whole lot of stupid plays. I can't remember him drawing, you know, dumb flags or or playing poorly. Maybe once in a while over pursuing. Um, maybe once in a while dropping too deep into coverage on like a third and long where he drops past the sticks instead of right at the line to gain. But um, I, it's more probably more of a comment about how some fans will always defend Tremaine Edmonds and some fans will always be critical of Tremaine Edmonds and. I still think he's playing really well. Um, I, he's going to get his fifth-year option. He's going to you know, keep playing for the Bills. He'll probably get another contract in Buffalo. They really like him and what he brings to the defense. So, I mean, from consequences, I'm not 100% sure I know what that means, uh, but there will be consequences for uh, Spencer Brown, certainly, after the game he played on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Hopefully this will stop the folks that are like, oh, we can get rid of Deion Dawkins now and just move Spencer Brown to to left tackle. I think Spencer Brown's the guy I want at right tackle for the foreseeable future, and Deion Dawkins is the guy I want at left tackle for the foreseeable future. Thanks for your question, Ron. Over on Twitter, at Rumlings Q&A. All right, over to the text line. Again, 716-508-0405. The league has proven that two games can be played on Monday night. Do you think the league would consider getting rid of Thursday night football and having two games on Monday night? Thanks, Greg from Syracuse. All right, Greg, thanks for your question. Um, I think that the ESPN probably wouldn't want their signature show being undercut by another game on another network. Um, They like being able to do an hour and a half or whatever it is, two hours of pregame show before Monday Night Football and then having, you know, the postgame Alex Van Pelt uh, big, you know, sports center after. They like being able to do the whole night around their one game. So having their thunder stolen out from under them with an earlier game isn't exactly what they want to do. Plus, it's not good for the West Coast. And I made that point when they rescheduled the Raiders game for 5 o'clock Eastern. That means it was 2 o'clock Pacific time, which is where the... Las Vegas Raiders play now and where their old home is in Oakland and Los Angeles. So all of their fan base had to leave work and take a half day off work so they could go watch that show. Um, 
at two o'clock in the afternoon. So I don't think it's going to be something that's sustainable for ESPN or for fans. So I do not think that they're going to move it. They're certainly not going to move it off Thursday night. If anything, they would do it in addition to Thursday night because they want as many primetime games as they can get. They want as many nationally televised games as they can get, I guess I should say. Um, so, no, I do not think that they're going to add another game on Monday night. They're doing it for opening weekend. Like, that makes sense at least. Um, doing it for what they're doing in the playoffs coming up makes sense again. But those are for marquee events. And ESPN is super pumped about being able to do two playoff games coming up here wildcard weekend. So I don't think it's going to become the norm, uh, but we could see it for like opening weekend and you know, special, special events, not every single week. So thanks for your question on our text line 716-508-0405. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network is uh, really putting out some great content over there. Whether you're talking about John Fina, the former Buffalo Bills offensive lineman, breaking down game field every Monday night with uh, Joe Miller, or the Food for Thought podcast on Friday nights with uh, Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. There's great content over there with Jay Spence the King. He does three weekly shows, including Humpty Hotline and The Chop Up. Um, so there's just great, great content coming out from the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel. Make sure you head over there to check that out. Click the like button, click the subscribe button, leave a comment uh, for one of those shows, and uh, they should be able to get back to you. The, the Overreaction Podcast is my favorite place to go after the game just to kind of hang out with Buffalo Bills fans and take the temperature of what's going on. And then um, both of the shows on Saturday nights are just a great way to get ready for the game on Sunday while you're you know doing housework or just hanging out on Saturday night. With that, we're going to end today's episode. So, as always, leave your questions for next week's episode on our voicemail line, 716-508-0405. You can text us at that number as well, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumblingsqna. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Plenty of ways to get in touch with the show. You can send us a Facebook message or Instagram message to the official Buffalo Rumblings account as well. Please, please, please send me your questions for next week's episode. It makes it so much more enjoyable to answer a bunch of different questions. Thanks for listening. Go Bills. Beat the Patriots.